Josh Mitchell, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. They come from all corners of the world, and they descend on towns everywhere. Burlington, North Carolina, Idaho Falls, Idaho, Lexington, Kentucky, Wilmington, Delaware, Springdale, Arkansas, Papillion, Nebraska, and Kansas City, Missouri. What do all these men have in common? They work together to win. It's time to talk to another Royal on Clubhouse Conversation. Hard for me to believe it's already May 31st here in 2019. Summer is almost upon us, and it's Davo. I'm glad you're along for another edition of Clubhouse Conversation, the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players. And before we get into today's chat, which I'm very excited about with Wilmington left-handed pitcher Josh Mitchell, before we talk about that, I want to remind you to follow us, if you haven't yet, on the Twitter machine, at Royals Clubhouse. That's at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook, Clubhouse Conversation. Subscribe through the website, clubhouseconversation.com to iTunes, so you get our episodes when they come in there. We do dishes where we talk about the current Royals team, and of course, my favorite, the chats with current and former Royals players and let's dig right into it Josh Mitchell today here on Clubhouse Conversation what a story Josh Mitchell has you've seen the numbers had a blazing start to last season at Lexington a very very nice close to blazing start I guess you could say this year too at Wilmington currently a 2.61 ERA over a K per inning across six appearances a guy that has a lot of upside in Josh Mitchell I heard good things about him from scouts I talked to but also what a story you need to hear about him away from the field and things that he's gone through and obstacles coming from a small town and and injuries and uh, you know rocky times during college and, and a horrific injury last year when he was with Wilmington we'll talk about all that and so much more and get to know Josh better as he joins us right now on Clubhouse Conversation from Fayetteville North Carolina the Blue Rocks there taking on the Woodpeckers love that what a great name for a baseball team and Josh joins us now on Clubhouse Conversation first of all brother thanks so much for taking the time and second of all how's everything going with you hey thank you for having me I appreciate it everything is going really well um you know, I got a little late start to the season because of some uh, continuing rehab, but uh, everything's going really well. I get my sea legs back, and we're ready to go. I'm just ready to keep rocking and keep going. Yeah, you're with the Wilmington Blue Rocks, obviously. You guys are in Fayetteville, North Carolina right now, playing the Woodpeckers, who are Houston's high A team. Now, they just built a brand new stadium there, didn't they? Yes, and the stadium is uh, about as state-of-the-art uh, state as it gets. It's unbelievable. It's uh in my opinion, it's a triple-A field for a high-A team. It's, it's something else. Really? Interesting. Okay. Is, is that their first year in the Carolina League? Did they have a franchise there before that? They did. They had the Bowie's Creek Astros before, and they would play at the university or Campbell University oh. while this was being built. So, you know, there was a big, you know, anticipation for all this. It was like they had a big opening ceremony for it when, they, uh, when the season started. But, um you can tell there's a different little buzz around you now compared to when they were at the when they were playing at Campbell. That's cool. Right on. Well, um, I made my first ever trip out to the Carolina League last year to Wilmington. Absolutely loved Frawley Stadium. That entire experience was awesome. So, I mean, how stoked are you to be healthy and you know and back with the Blue Rocks again? I am very stoked. Uh, it's you know it was a long 10, 11 months of rehab that, um, quite frankly, made me question if I wanted to play baseball anymore. Uh, wasn't so much the fact of doing the rehab because I've been through it before. I had shoulder surgery in college, went through all that, came back actually four months ahead of when I was supposed to come back. But uh, since, you know, and I had some issues in college with the shoulder, so I knew something was up. But I had no pain in my knee. I had, you know, nothing like that. 
and it just kind of happened on one pitch. So for a while, I want to say the first maybe month, I was really contemplating on, you know, do I want to continue to play baseball? Do I want to, you know, do I, am I ready to hang them up? You know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, once I kind of got my mind right, my mindset to I'm going to come back and I'm going to make the best out of this. You know, if I don't, if I come back and I don't make it, or I, you know, for some reason can't throw it, it's not because I didn't, you know, it wasn't because of lack of effort. But I came back, made it back, and then, they even had a little like a comeback kind of ceremony kind of thing my first night in town and it was kind of cool it was oh. a great experience yeah well we're, we're glad you're back man you're off to a great start um so give us a full june of 2019 scouting report on josh mitchell so what pitches are you mainly throwing these days and where's the velo at all that good stuff so the main pitches i'm throwing a feature a four-seam fastball that doesn't go very straight that's good. Cut a lot. It's like uh, you, uh, it's to the point now where I'm starting to call it a cut fastball. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I also feature a two seam, so I got what I got a fastball that goes one way and a fastball that goes the other. That one actually does do what a two seam, a traditional two seam, is supposed to do. Um, a slider and a split finger changeup. Very. And nice. uh, when it comes to the four seam, two seam fastball combination, there, um, the velo it'll range anywhere from ninety with the sinker two-seam to 94 with the four-seam slash cutter slider, about 80, 83, 85. And that split finger change-ups around 84 to 87, depending on which how I'm using it that day. Okay, which pitch are you most confident in and, and which one least confident in right now? Well, the splitter, is a, we'll go with the splitter being the least confident because I just kind of picked it up right before the season. Um it's not a very hard pitch to throw. It's just command of it is kind of a flip of a coin. <laughs> and uh, my most confident pitch is definitely my slider. It just I can throw it any count, ball strike, any side of the plate, you name it. I got that in the bag. Okay, so is, is a slider the put-away pitch because you've always you know, had the good K numbers, or does it just depend on the hitter and the situation? Um, yeah, the slider has been historically uh, has been the put-away pitch. Um, but this year, I'm getting more guys out with that little cut fastball kind of thing, just getting guys uh, starting it down the middle and letting it break some bats for sure, and then running it up up and in on righties for sure. Okay. Well, we're going to talk more about 2019 here in a bit, but I want to go back and learn more about you, man, from childhood. So you were born <laughs> in uh, Ridgeway, Pennsylvania. You went to high school there. Um, so born and raised, you always lived there, I'm guessing? Yeah, always lived there. Um, it's a really small town. And when I say small, I mean population of 2,500 people. 2,500 people. Um, my graduating class in high school was 53 people. Wow. Um, it's just one of those. It's one of those small. Uh, I'm gonna say hillbilly towns. One of those small hillbilly <laughs> towns that uh, a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people try to leave, but for some odd reason, it just keeps bringing people back. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the the stereotype, right? Like all the movies, you see that. Uh, it, you know, and honestly, it, that is, if they could make a movie and film in a small town, Ridgeway would be the perfect place to go. Okay. Now, where's that at? Is it closer to Philly or Pittsburgh? Where's it at? Like, what town is it near? Um, closer to Pittsburgh. I'm about two and a half, give or take. We'll go with two hours. Two hours kind of northeast from Pittsburgh and about three hours, uh, about three hours, it's maybe two and a half hours uh, south of New York, the border. Okay. Okay. Who was your MLB team growing up then? Oh, I was a Pirates fan. I was a big Pittsburgh guy. Okay. McCutcheon, your boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. McCutcheon. Um, 
But out of all those three Pittsburgh teams, you know, the Steelers, Penguins, I can't ice skate. Can't ice skate to save my life, but I will I will sit on the glass and I will bang with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Who's the most famous person from Ridgeway, Pennsylvania? Is it you? <laughs> um you know, honestly, I think it might be. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, 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 I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but it might be. That's great. That's great. I love it. Okay, so so Ridgewood High School then. So you were an all district player in baseball, both sophomore, uh, junior years. A junior man, man, 1.98 ERA, 100 Ks, and then offensively a 5.30 batting average, six home runs, 50 ribbies. So were you always more of a pitcher, or, you know, than a position player, or what did you consider yourself in high school? Um. Well. I don't know, that's tough. That's tough question because I love swinging the bat, but uh, probably more of a pitcher. But uh, I can swing it with the best of them. I really could. And okay. uh, fun fact too, I didn't use a metal bat in high school. What? Really? I used a yeah. I used a wood bat in high school. <laughs> why? Just a, why? Um. Well, so I lost a bet to my friend when I was a freshman in high school, <laughs> and. Uh, and I had to use a wood bat that game. Well, I ended up going like three for four with two home runs. I said, from this day on, I'm not using anything else. Really? So, yeah, all those uh, all those stats that I put up in high school were done with a wood bat. Man, you lefties, you lefties really are something, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, we are. We are pretty awkward. <laughs> Man, so you, so you, I love it though. I love it. So you hit five thirty with a wooden bat in high school. So it would have been what, like six hundred or something, six fifty probably. <laughs> Maybe, but the thing is, though, it's funny. I I didn't break any bats. <laughs> wow. Okay. All so right. I you I, I want to say I think I used I bought a couple bat packs. I had a couple buddies that had played pro ball too, so I got some of their wood bats. Um, I think maybe I went. I think I used the total in four years of high school four wood bats. Wow, that's great. That's that's cool. I, I've never heard that story. That's really cool. Now, okay, so I also read that during high school you played with a torn labrum you got during your freshman year of football, and you didn't know you had it till you were in college. Is that true? Yeah, it was kind of a uh, it was one of those things. I did it playing football actually. I, I remember the hit. Um, uh, it was like I was running. The, it was <laughs> one of those things where it's high school football, man. You put it, you, you show up in front of everybody, and our town was kind of cool because. Very stereotypical to a small town. Friday night, everything shuts down. Everyone goes to the games, right? <laughs> right. So it was to go to the playoffs, and I remember getting the, we're on like the four yard line. I remember running and jumping over a guy to go into the end zone, and coming down on my left shoulder. Now, you know, sixteen year old me wasn't thinking of anything at that point, just getting the end zone at all costs, right? Right. So I landed. And I remember getting up, and my arm just felt numb. It felt funny. I'm like, oh, I got a stinger. I'm fine. Didn't think anything of it. Finished out the year of football. Uh, went into basketball. No issues whatsoever. Baseball. And for those four in my four years of high school, I made sure I took down. I had downtime. Made sure I gave my arm enough rest. Where because you know, I was throwing a football a lot, basketball. I wouldn't really start throwing until maybe two months before the season. So my arm had plenty of downtime. But when I got to college at Pitt, our pitching coach was a big, uh, big. It was a big thing was throw every day to build your arm up and you know be, me being young and stupid kind of thing i would long toss a lot throw hard a lot that take you know backing off here and there and all of that throwing just kind of added up added up added up my arm got inflamed and the shoulder got inflamed Jeez. um and it just then they took an mri and they said yeah you don't have a labrum in your left arm 
Wow, and you were at Pitt, right, when they found that, right, freshman year? Yeah, freshman year. I, I didn't pitch at all my freshman year. I pitched in the fall, and I had a great fall. I was in line to be the uh, the uh, Sunday starter as a freshman, and then I just remember the day I, could, I couldn't lift my arm. Oh, my gosh. Woke up one morning, just couldn't lift it. Yeah, I love the I love the quote you had. I tried being the tough guy and hillbilly that I am, but it really didn't work. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's and my friends will, my friends and teammates will uh, account to that too. I'm one of those guys who doesn't like to take days off. I feel like if I take a day off, someone, someone somewhere takes you know takes a step ahead of me. So yeah, whether it's whether it's some sort of a light day and I still do something, or I just get after it. I'm, I'm going to do that. I, I don't like the fact of thinking that someone out there worked harder than me that day. I like that. That's good. Now, from Ridgeway, then, you went to, like we talked about, Pitt. So what made you choose Pitt for college? What, were there other options besides Pitt? Yeah, there were plenty of options. There was Pitt. There was UNC. There was NC State. Um, Penn State came on late. West Virginia was a big ad, a big, a big one, too. Um, Liberty. Radford. Jeez. Um Virginia Tech. So there are some big-time schools there. There's definitely more in there. And if anyone hears that, that it was one of them, I'm sorry I forgot you. But um, Pitt was also really close. And it was easy enough for my parents to make a weekend trip. So, uh, and I'm a, you know, coming from a smaller town, being with your family, growing up, my grandparents lived next door. My mom's side of the family is a 10-minute drive away. Um, I wanted them to be there. I'm big, I'm big on family. So I wanted them to be there to see me perform whether I was doing good or bad um yeah I just wanted them to be in a stand and uh when it came down to it Pittsburgh offered me a, a nice chunk of change <laughs> and um it was only two hours away and I was going to play in the ACC which is one of the best conferences in the country so it was kind of a no-brainer at that point Okay, so 41 appearances there, 16 starts throughout your career. Now, uh, during your redshirt freshman and sophomore seasons, from what I understand, a pro baseball career you probably weren't thinking about. I mean, you were thinking about it, but you were like, man, this may not happen. And then they, So they found some UCL issues, right, toward the end of your sophomore year. And then uh, so you, they were going to take your scholarship away, and then you went to the Victoria Harbor Cats in the Canadian Summer League. So you'd gone there the summer before that, right? And then that kind of saved your career. Kind of talk about that whole time of your life. Well, that was um, that was tough. I was thinking about transferring out of Pitt. Really didn't know where I was going to go, what I was going to do. You know, I obviously going D one to D one, you got to sit out. So, you know, there were some D two schools that had got in contact with me. At, you know, hey, they're not using you right, all that kind of stuff. And at that point, they had me convinced. Like I was like, you know, you know what, you're right. They're not using me well. I need to get the heck out of here. But the UCL issue was just like. So they found it early in the season, and the reason being for that is, for some reason, they thought that if I dropped down and threw, like, submarine or sidearm, I'd be more effective. Well, I tried it, I tried it, and then doing that, they're like, oh, yeah, you can throw every day, you know, we can put you on a mound every day, you're not going to, it's less stress on your elbow. I think the second time off the mound, I felt a pop, and I thought, at that point, I'm like, what is that? And so I felt the pop. I tried to keep throwing through it, throwing through it, being the, you know, the hillbilly stupid kid I am. <laughs> and uh, it just it didn't get any better. So I went and saw the trainer, got an MRI. Here it was just a sprain. It wasn't anything serious, but it was enough to sit me out for the majority of that season. Huh. Then I, when I did come back, I started playing catch over the top again. And our coach comes over to me and goes, what are you doing? I thought we'd drop you down. I said, no, nah, listen, that's not the best for my career. It's not the best for my arm. 
I've already had one issue with you with my arm. I'm not doing it again. I'm not going through that. And at that point, when I said that and kind of like stood up for myself or took a stand, I was thrown to the back of the thrown to the back of the line and not not going to throw. And they and then pretty much they pretty much told me that you know if you're not going to listen to us, you're not going to pitch. Well, season comes down to the wire and there's you know it's a one run ball game in Miami and, and they throw me in there after not pitching for, not pitching for months. Jeez. I'm not going to lie, I threw a pretty, pretty sure, if I remember correctly, I threw a great, it was a great two-inning uh, appearance. <laughs> but, um, so then at the end of the year, I go into the, we have like the exit meetings, like what you need to work on, da 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 all that kind of stuff. So I walk into that exit meeting expecting like, hey, listen, you know, that was a great appearance you had at the end of the season, like you proved us wrong, you know, all that. And I walk in, my pitching coach is sitting there, and my head coach is there. And as soon as I sit down, my pitching coach is shaking his head and just gets up and walks out. I go, this is this. That's not a good start. No. My pitching coach, my pitching coach and I were uh, we didn't always see eye to eye, but we had a we had a, a very very good relationship. You know, it was a mutual respect for both of us. And listen, you're not going to see eye to eye on everything that anybody says. You know, and that's just if you do, then you know by all means you found a unicorn. But. <laughs> um, but like I said, there was a there was a mutual trust and a mutual respect. We were, you know, we were gonna get the job done and figure out how. So I sit down, look my head coach in the eye, and he goes, "Well, Josh, let's see here. We wanted you to drop down, and you decided not to. And plus, you didn't pitch all year. And as soon as he said that, I look at him. I go, "Where's this going?" He goes, "We're we're thinking about taking your scholarship." Yeah. I go, it's either you think, I'm like, I look at him, I'm like, either you think or you do. It, 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 which one is it? He goes, well, we're going to. I go, all right, thanks. Shook his hand and walked out. I didn't even let him finish the rest. <laughs> so I call up Jim Swanson of the Harvard Cats. You know, I played there. He was the owner, GM, manager. I don't know, his, his, his title changes every year, so <laughs> it might be different this year. But um, I called him up in the you know, I'm like, hey, Jim, listen, you got, I'm like, this is what happened. I'm like, is there any way that you had uh, a spot on the team for a left-handed pitcher? And his exact words were, we've been waiting for you to call us. Oh. I'm like, ha, ha, I've never been so happy in my life. <laughs> so I packed up all my stuff and took off, and it turned out I went out and pitched, and it was the best, honestly, some of the best baseball I've pitched. Um, as a starter, pitched great. And uh, I had some other opportunities, you know, not just Division Two. There were some other schools that, you know, I was talking to. Uh, Hawaii was one of them. And it just so happened that two of the kids that I was playing with were junior college guys that decided to go to Hawaii. And the coach came out to see them, and I made a start. And I, I think I went seven innings with ten strikeouts. And uh, Jim was just joking around. And this, this coach I told Mr. Swanson, he goes, Man, I would take this kid in a heartbeat. Jim looks at him. He goes, "He's available." <laughs> so we talked about we talked a little bit. Jim being the mediator, so there was an offer. There was a chance and an opportunity for me to go to Hawaii. Like an offer was on the table. Oh man, yeah. How did you have... turn that down, man? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It was tough. It was, you know, sitting on a beach and playing baseball or going back to the Steel City. Yeah, but was... uh. That would have tested would, your work yeah. ethic there, man. If you would have gone to Hawaii, you know, test how dedicated you really are. <laughs> I would have. I'm not sure I would have made it out of there. Yeah. I would, would have stayed in the island and still be there to this day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
I uh, sat, you know, sat down, talked it over with him, talked it over with my parents, and really, you know, I had so much schooling at Pitt, and I was so close to finishing up everything. It'd be kind of stupid for me just to pick up and move, just because I, you know, just because of baseball. Right. So at that point, I sucked it up a little bit and uh, called my head coach back and told him pretty much, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be your Friday night starter. And he laughed. I go, you're laughing now. Just wait. <laughs> Hung up the phone. Friday night, and I ended up, ended up being the Friday night starter. It was a no-brainer. So, okay, so. I went back. I went back and I earned. Uh, I pretty much had, I virtually had zero chance. But I went back and pitched so well and worked and outworked everybody there that he had no choice but to pitch me on Friday night. Okay, so that, that brings me to two questions then. So, number one, how long did the UCL issues, did, did you just rest it a little bit before the Harbor Cats, or how did that work? Well, the UCL issue started kind of as a, at the beginning of that sophomore season. Oh, okay. Okay. So, and then I didn't pitch till like, the very last month of the season. So, okay. that was early in the season. I was, and when I went to Victoria, everything was ship shape. So, that was more of an arm slot type thing, most likely? Yeah, and as soon as I went back up top, I felt normal again. There were no issues. I wasn't putting a lot of stress okay. on that, and I was just letting it rip. Okay, now then uh, the second question I have about that you know you worked outworked everybody else, and I read that you had a big velo jump then right before your senior season, your last season. Uh, so in the movie The Rookie, um, you know he's shocked <laughs> one day he's throwing way faster than he ever has. He doesn't believe it when someone shows him the gun. Did you ever have a moment like that where you're like, really, I threw that hard? Yeah, actually, it was because um, I really didn't give. I really, I don't want. I didn't really care about the velo. Like I was. I was, like, aware of it here and there. But I remember um, the day that I the day that I remember someone saying something about it. It was a Friday night start against Virginia Tech. And it ended up – I ended up going seven innings. One of my be- one of my better – actually, one of the best starts in my college career. And uh, I had a an agent and a scout and one of my teammates come up to me all within, like, ten minutes. You know how hard you were throwing today? I'm like, I don't know, 88, 90? I don't know, guys. Like, like – and our, we didn't have a gun on the board, so I had absolutely zero idea. He goes, you were 90 to 94 today. I'm like, no, stop, stop messing. I, I said that to each guy. <laughs> I said it to the scout, the agent, and a, or I guess advisor. I couldn't call him agent at that time. A scout, advisor, and a teammate. And they all had guns. And I'm like, stop, stop messing with me. And I walked in the clubhouse, got showered up, and went and ate dinner with my parents. Put my phone on airplane mode because I didn't want to, you know, it was one of those things. I was I was getting a lot of calls and texts from scouts from every team, emails. I'm like, listen, I'm going to sit down and have a good dinner with my parents. I haven't seen them in a little bit. We've been on the road the last three series. It's going to be great to see them. Have you know, whatever, have a couple of drinks, just just relax. I take my I take my phone off airplane mode, and I got like ten missed calls, twenty five text messages, fifteen <laughs> emails. I'm like, what the? And it was like, they all said the same thing: ninety ninety four, ninety ninety four. I'm like, well, at this point, I guess they're not. They can't be lying. I mean, eight different teams. <laughs> right. So that was when I was like, that's when I had that, that kind of aha rookie moment there. <laughs> that's cool. What a great story. Oh, one other question about the Canadian league. Was there anybody else that got drafted out of that league, by the way, when you were there? Uh, I think there were two guys from our team. I know for sure, but I'm not sure about the rest. I'm actually, I'm pretty sure they were a bunch of guys. Okay. They were, but, um, I know for sure there were two two kids on our team. It was me and an outfielder from Fresno State. Okay, right on. Um, now, I want to give a, a shout to your grandpa. So I've read that he taught you a lot about both <laughs> baseball and Catholicism. 
um, I know your relationship with God has helped you get through a lot of things as well. So is your grandpa still with us? And then, you know, how proud of, of your career has he been? He's, yeah, he's still with us. He, uh, he's getting up there in age now, and it's starting to get to the point where he's repeating himself a lot. But, um, yeah, no, he's, he's proud. He's uh, proud, proud's an understatement, honestly. But uh, every, at least once or twice a week I'll get a phone call about how I pitched or how do you feel da, 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 and all that stuff. And no matter what, every time the phone call, I'm like, listen, Pop, I got to go. We got to get on the bus. I'm about to go eat. And uh, he goes, oh, okay, hold on a second. And, you know, it's the, the same thing to end every conversation. He goes, make sure you thank the man upstairs, man, because if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be the person you are or you wouldn't be in the situation that you're in right now. Right. And uh, he's right. I, you know, I wouldn't. There was a lot of, uh, there was a, uh, I mean, my shoulder surgery when I first had that, it wasn't just the labrum. It was the labrum, rotator cuff, and bicep extension. And I was given maybe a 15% chance of coming back. Jeez. And I beat that. Now, the knee blew out. Everyone's like, oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. But, like, you know, it's my land leg. And I put a lot of force in that land leg going 90 to 94. So it's like. It was scary, and, and, you know, my grandpa and my faith definitely helped me get past that. And in my opinion, I'm pitching on borrowed time. You know, you don't see too many guys with two two injuries like that and a freak one that happened to me that, you know, you don't see them even pitching in the minor leagues too often. So I'm pitching on borrowed time thanks to the guy upstairs, and, and it's turning out great. You know, it really is. Yeah. Okay, so before we talk about draft day itself then, so the Royals have a scout named Jim Farr um, who watched you a lot and suggested you. So take us back to the moment, you know, do you remember well before the draft, was there a moment where you knew the Royals were really into you? Is there Where you first talked to him? Anything stick out about that process? Uh, I do remember talking to Jim. He's a, he's a quiet guy. He's a very good guy. And uh, there wasn't really a time that really stuck out because I was getting a lot of phone calls, I guess you could say. But now that you brought that up, looking back at it, they called a lot. <laughs> yeah. They did, com- compared to some other teams. Some other teams were like, you know, one or two phone calls and some paperwork or stuff like that, or a sit-down meeting and stuff like that. With Kansas City, it was, I think, I'm pretty sure it was a phone call once a week plus paperwork every other week. It was, there was a lot. And I didn't think anything of it because I was just filling it out and making sure I got it back in a timely manner. But now that you brought it up, they were definitely the top, the top team. <laughs> Good. That's what I like to hear. So then draft day itself, 22nd round. Um, take us back to the moment you were drafted then. So who were you with? Where were you at? How did you find out the news? So I was with my parents, actually. I was, so I was still, I was still technically well, – I was at Pitt working out with our trainer and stuff like that. And um, so I had a couple uh, um, pre-draft workouts. So we got home, and I packed my stuff up and went home. And I'm like – you know, guys, listen. It's the draft day. That, you know, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be a first day pick. We 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 know this. Um, but there's been a lot of talk of second. You know, late you know late in the second day, or for sure the third day. You know, so I'm like second day. I'm going golfing. I'm staying as far away from any social media as possible. Went golf, had a good round, came home, didn't get picked the second day. All right, that's fine. You still get. I keep getting phone calls from teams. Hey, listen, what do you take? What do you work? What round? Da, 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 all that kind of stuff. It's typical draft day stuff. Mm-hmm. So third, the, the day three of the draft rolls around, and 
I'm like, you know, I'm going to go golf again. And at this point, I am so freaking nervous. I got through three holes of golf. I'm like, I got to go home. <laughs> I got to go home. I can't do this. So, so walked back to the clubhouse, got my car, and drove home. And my mom's sitting there. She's glued to her iPad. My dad's sitting there with his, sitting there on the couch, or like sitting on the edge of the couch, like waiting, watching it on TV. And I'm like, you guys are killing me right now. <laughs> and they were, and I got to the point where I had to go sit in another room. I went and sat in another room. I turned Rocky on. <laughs> I'm like, you oh know, my I'm going to watch this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to throw Rocky on, you know, whatever. I went through the whole, tri- I went through the whole series. I crushed it. <laughs> and then my phone rings. And I'm like, I don't know this number. Answered it, hello? Mitch, how you doing? Uh, great. Um, who is this? He goes, it's Jim. I go, oh, Jim, I'm sorry, man. I probably should have known this was you. I didn't save your I haven't saved your number. I'm so sorry. And he goes, no, you're fine. You're fine, kid. Um, how does the 22nd round with this amount of money sound? And I go, you know what? I'm in. Just, just, let's do it right now. Let's get this done, get this sent in, get the pick in, everything. He goes, all right, let's do it. I get a text, check your TV. I go, mom, and I point at the screen, and it pops up. Kansas City Royals with the 660th pick in the 22nd round. Kansas City Royals select Josh Mitchell, at the pitcher, University of Pittsburgh. And I was... Oh, I was in tears. I was in tears. <laughs> what a moment, man. That's a great it was, story. It, it was something else. I was in tears and obviously tears of joy, but like I thought I you know, I thought back to what happened in college and and uh all the stuff that I went through there. Uh injuries, coaching problems, uh, coaching issues, you know, not seeing eye to eye with those guys. Wanting them wanting me to leave, <laughs> like adamantly saying you need to leave kind of thing. And it was just to, just to hear my name called on draft day, or just that draft was three days and to hear it called and see it pop up on the screen. It actually, you know, it was a surreal feeling. Like I still, still get chills talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's an amazing, amazing story. Were the, did you expect the Royals to be one of the teams that might take you or did you really have no idea? I had talked to every team, every single team. And, uh, they were very, very um, interested, along with the Athletics, along with the Pirates, the Phillies. There's one more team, the Red Sox. So those were the five teams that were like, you know, we need to get on this team. You know, we need to keep talking to them. And Miami, sorry, Miami was another one. And, you know, I wasn't sure who was going to take me or if there was a sleeper team that was going to take me. I had no clue. It, it was just a point where I just wanted to. I want. I was praying and hoping for my name to be called. That's it. Okay. So after being drafted, that you finished out 2017 Surprise Royals and the Idaho Falls Chuckers. So, what are your favorite memories of that first summer? And, and you know, how beautiful was the Pioneer League? And what was it like being so far <laughs> away from home? Um, well, favorite memories are definitely meeting all the guys that I was drafted with because you know a lot of you know a good amount of those guys are still with me today, and they're actually on this team. Yeah. So it's nice to hang out with them and just. We, 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 we even reminisce on those days, too. Uh, favorite memories, though, for sure, was that. And then being a, being able to have Jeff Supon as my pitching coach. That might have been the <laughs> coolest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy, uh, I still take – I still tell some of his stories. And all the stuff that he that he helped me with pitching-wise or taught me, I still use to this day. Yeah? It's just – it was 
he made it easy. He made it fun. In the Pioneer League, I, I didn't mind. I did, you know, I liked being away from home. I really didn't mind. I had done the Canada thing with Victoria Harbourcast being on the other side of the, you know, country, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, and they, actually the ocean. It's a small island, which was great. Huh. But um, I, you know, some of those bus rides were long. Actually, all of them were really long, but they were so beautiful and unbelievable. Huh. I I love the the Jeff Supon man. I love watching that guy when I was a kid. He's he's the man. Love me some oh, soupy. He, he just he just made it so easy to relate to pitching, like, and he wasn't a guy that was going to blow people away with his fastball, so he had to pitch. He was funny and, too, right? Oh yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> oh yeah, he's yeah. got he's got some stories. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, how do you guys do it in, in like in like rookie ball? Because I know I think Wilmington has a pretty good uh, host family thing, right? Did you guys do host families or is it like hotels? Because you're only there for like a month or six weeks or whatever. <laughs> We did the hotel situation in Idaho. Okay. Uh, we had, you know, we had obviously had a roommate, but the hotel was very nice. They had, we had obviously just the two beds, and then we had a kitchen. We had own, uh, pretty much, a, yeah, kind of like a half kitchen. And we had, I mean, plenty of room in the fridge for everything. It, it, was, it worked out good. It okay. Nice. But, yeah, Wilmington does a really good job with the host family. Are you doing the host family thing now? Yeah, I did the host family thing last year. I just went right back to the same host family that I had. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, let's talk about last year. So Lexington's where you started. You had a .9 ERA and seven appearances, better than a cape or any. They moved you up to Wilmington. Uh, before we get to Wilmington, you know, what are your favorite memories of, of your short time in Lexington? The mustache. Yes. <laughs> the mustache of yes. the Lexington Legends logos. Oh, <laughs> great. It was great. Um, but being with, uh, since I left, uh, being with Thorman for those, uh, Scott Thorman, the manager, yeah. I mean, always the manager of Wilmington here, but being with him for that short amount of time, just, uh, he might be my favorite manager I've ever played for. Okay. Um, just the way he goes about his business, the way he takes, you know, takes on each day and tackles each day, just, he's always prepared. Knows what he's going to do, knows what he's going to do, knows what he's going to do tomorrow. So, I love playing with him, and I still do. I, he's a, I love playing with him today. It's great. And just, Seeing how talented that Lexington team was, oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. And uh, and and watching Sully Matias hit home runs at 500 feet every other night, that was great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great. We had uh, and a group of guys that such positive vibes in the locker room. Whether we just won or lost, and they had one goal. The whole team had one goal, and it was just a win. And it was uh, they did that. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I love how Dayton, Dayton and Scott and JJ and everybody have that, you know, Lonnie have that whole top to bottom. It's all about winning, which you, you don't find at a lot of organizations in the minor leagues. A lot more selfishness no, other places. a lot of organizations are just, let's, you know, let's develop, develop, move guys up. But right. They don't care. But it's, you know, it, it's hard to go into a competitive situation, competitive scenario and not want to win. Right. I, mean, I just don't understand how guys do that. Well, it helps development, too. If you win games, you're doing things correctly to win games, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, you could be you could be hitting 150, but you're still you're still you know making hard contact, moving runners over. Mm-hmm. You're still doing the right thing, the yep. way it should, the way the base, the way the game of baseball should be played. Um, so you got up to Wilmington then the end uh, of last year, well not the end, but I guess the back half or back two thirds. Um, you were starting to get in the groove, and then you have this gruesome right knee injury. I remember I was in I was actually in Northwest Arkansas watching the Naturals, and it came up in my Twitter feed, and I was I was like, man, that real that was heartbroken for you, man. So you lost the last what, four or five weeks, three weeks, whatever it was of that summer. So t- take us back to the moment then and what exactly happened then with your right knee. So the final diagnosis was 
I ruptured my patella tendon with a partial tear in my the, in, the left half of my meniscus. Um, did not feel good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know what's bad when you got guys coming out or got, talking to guys after the fact and like, dude, we heard that from the outfield. We heard that from the dugout. I'm oh like, my oh. god. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. It sounded it sounded real loud when it was two feet in front of me. I couldn't <laughs> imagine what it sounded like to you guys. But remember our trainer James Stone running out, and I remember they all thought it was my left arm. They thought I broke my left arm throwing a pitch. That's how loud this pop was. And if you can imagine one of those big, thick, uh, like, rubber bands that guys use in the weight room to stretch out or, like, put on the weights for, like, for some resistance, you can imagine pulling one of those and letting it snap. That's that's what it looked like, what it sounded like, and what it felt like. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was bad. And then I remember James Stone, the trainer, cutting my pant leg to see what happened. You know, see – well, he just wanted to see, right? Yeah. And he goes, oh. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, Stone, is it that bad? And I wanted to sit up. I wanted to sit up and see it. And Doug Henry, the pitching coach at the time, put his hand around my throat. He goes, no, nah, you're going to lay back down. <laughs> oh, God. And I go, and I go, okay. He gave me a towel, put a towel on my head. He goes, don't take this towel off. I go, got you, Doug. <laughs> so you knew, like, yeah. you were screwed, right? Like, instantly. As, 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 soon as, I heard, as soon as I heard Stone go, oh. I'm like, yep, that's something right. What was the pain like? It was, you know, honestly, I severed a lot of nerves in there, too. So after I did it, and when I was laying there, and I kind of, like, calmed down a little bit, and I wasn't dropping F-bombs left and right in front of a little kid, which I really do apologize for that. (laughs) But um, (laughs) I didn't feel anything. Like, he got to the point where he's like, hey, can you feel me touching this? And I'm like, no, Stone. I don't Stone, it feels like you're... 10 feet away from me. He goes, all right, we got to get you out of here. Well, at that time, he was taking a, he was taking his finger, and he was poking my ACL. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, he was poking it. I'm like, what is going on? I didn't feel any of it. So then, get back in the training room. I finally see it, and they put it in that big red, like, immobilizer thing to make sure nothing moved. And when he did it, he goes, okay, like, he thought to himself, because everything kind of, like, went back to where it was supposed to be. It was okay, good. You just dislocated your kneecap. Nothing, you know, nothing bad. You know, I mean, it's not. I don't want to say nothing bad, but not as serious as everyone thought. He takes my knee out of the immobilizer, like you know, on the training table, and the thing just flops. Oh, like gosh. stuff went to the right, stuff went to the left. Oh, gosh. And he goes, oh. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, listen, I'm going to give you the ACL test, which he kind of has to like bend my knee and kind of pull on it to see if it catches. And he goes, this is going to hurt. I go, Stone. I swear. I swear on my mother's life, if this hurts that bad, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> <laughs> but he did it, and since I had severed all those nerve endings, I didn't feel anything. So, Ugh. Man. So, okay, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the first month or two especially, you're like, man, it, it, do I want to keep doing this? How difficult was this rehab in comparison to your past? I didn't think the shoulder was too bad, honestly. When, you know, going through that um, – it was pretty simple because it was stuff that I would do on a daily daily basis with shoulder routines and stuff like that. This was – I had to relearn how to walk. Ugh. Like, it was tough. And I still don't walk correctly as it is. Like, I still got a limp. And when I run, it's just as bad. So, I'm sitting there. I'm getting – you know, I remember the day I got ice. I'm getting ice on to, like, massaging it with, like, electric shock kind of thing to move some of – to get rid of some of the um, – I guess, sorry, electric vibration to move around some of the um, swelling and get it out of there. 
and I'm just sitting there with my headphones in, staring at the ceiling. Like, do I do I really, really want to try and come back from this? Like, and the worst part is that like when they were talking to me about it, like, yeah, we have so much literature on ACL and MCL, but we don't have so much on the teletenant. I'm like, how much is not so much? He goes, like six articles. I'm like, that's that's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> so and the, and that wasn't, you know, I don't blame any of the trainers and any of the. PT guys for that, but it was it was it was the truth, you know. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there contemplating, like, listen, and I even told my parents everything. I'm like, to the point now, I'm like, listen, guys, I'm going to get good enough to walk and maybe run, and I think I'm just going to come home. So what and changed you then? I, what's that? What made you change your mind and stick with it? My grandpa. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was. A lot of that. Uh, and I would talk to my parents, my mom, my dad, and my grandparents, you know, two or three times a week in rehab because I'd be so bored sitting on the couch. Like, I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't have anything else to do. And it was a mixture of my grandfather and just watching a baseball game. I remember the baseball I remember watching Kansas City play. I don't remember who was pitching, but I remember watching it. And I'm like, you know, there's advanced A, double A, and triple A. I'm like, I'm really not that far away from the big league. Yeah. And it was, I'm like, I am really just a couple phone calls away of being there. And it was kind of like this light bulb hit me that I'm like, there's more in the tank, Josh. You got, you're better than what you're saying. You got, you have an opportunity that you were given an opportunity by an organization and they believed in you. So you got to hold your end of the bargain. So I pretty much one of those looked myself in the mirror things and said, we're going to give this everything I got. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. Wow. That's that's powerful. I love that. You're right, though. You're, I mean, it's, you're, it's a great opportunity, and, and who knows? And, and now you're with uh, off to a great start with Wilmington. How cool is it working with uh, Mr. Steve Luber? I love Luber. I really do. He's a very uh, he's old school, which, uh, which kind of uh, resonates with me with being my grandfather, being an old school pitcher and all that, uh, an old school baseball guy. So it uh, we get along very well, actually. Your grandpa probably remembers watching him. He was a nice big leaguer, Luber was, back in the day. I'm sure, you know, actually, I never brought that up to my grandpa, but I'm sure he does. I need, Thank you for reminding me. I need to talk to him about it. Yeah, you got to bring that up, man. Um, okay, so you play on literally one of the most exciting teams in all of minor league baseball. Maybe the most exciting team. I'm biased, but, you know, in minor league baseball. So let's talk about some of the different parts here. So first of all, you've got three great catchers. You've got Melendez, Rivero, and Vidal. Is it Vidal? Is that how you say that? Vidal? Vidal? Uh, Vidal. Vidal. Okay, so talk yeah. about the three catchers you got there. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's hard not to, uh, not to enjoy throwing the – any of those three guys, you know, uh, but all really hasn't played that much yet. But, but throwing to NJ, throwing to Rivero, oh my gosh! And Rivero and I, Rivero caught me a lot in uh, when I was in Lexington. So this kid's got a this kid's got a memory of the steel trap. I swear, really, because he know he knows exactly where I want to go to when I uh, in what counts, what situation. And same thing with MJ because MJ's caught me more this year. MJ, same thing. We're all, I. Couldn't tell you the last time I shook either of those guys on. Wow. I mean, you got those, those are two future big league, you know, frontline catchers there. <laughs> oh, know? for sure. How, There's no doubt about it. How rare is that to have two on one team, you know? <laughs> I, I, don't, I have no idea, but 
I'm loving every minute. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. So rotation-wise, then, just to name a few guys, you know, Singer just moved up, obviously, but Lynch and Bubich and Coar and, and Tillo, you know, talk about those guys a little bit. They're great teammates. They really are. And it's fun pitching behind them because they make my job a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. But I can come in with a clean inning. <laughs> yeah. But they, they – uh, there's something else, man. They they know how they just they all have this presence on the mound. They all have this sense of they know how to pitch, know what they want to do. Regardless if they're getting you know hit around the ballpark, if they got a no hitter, perfect game going. Nothing gets to them. They're like stonewall. It's it's unbelievable watching, and it's even better to pitch behind them because you know these guys are set up for this pitch. When I'm throwing something a little different than say Bubich or say Tillow, it's just. Those hitters are so out balance that when a reliever comes in, it could be any reliever. It could be me. It could be somebody else. When we come in, we're just you – know, we can throw fastballs down and away, and no one's going to touch it. <laughs> yeah. Tillo likes his Iowa State, doesn't he? Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, – the kid – let's put it this way. Spring training when Iowa State lost in the tournament, he was, uh, he was heartbroken. You have to ask him. You have to ask him. I'm a Nebraska grad, so we've got Fred Hoiberg now as our basketball coach. You have to ask him what he thinks about that. I'm pretty excited about it. It's prying him away. Uh, I'll give, I'll give him a little. Uh, I'll give him a hard time for it. I like it. Okay, so bullpen wise, uh, you know we know Zuber's awesome. We know him very well. Uh, Ratliff, Die, Caps. I mean, you can just it's shut down city. You go on and on. You know, what's the camaraderie like down there in the pen? I mean, <laughs> I don't think I've laughed this hard playing baseball in a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so relaxed and no one's like. I mean, yeah, we pick on each other, and it's it's kind of it's it's like a brotherhood. You know, you have the starting rotation, you have the bullpen, and it's two completely different attitudes and mindsets. Right. Right. Okay. And okay. I, I mean, there's really it's the best way I can think of explaining it, honestly. Give me uh, give me one pitcher on the roster that's not named Lynch, Tillo, Bubich, or Kowar that you think will raise some eyebrows in the future. One guy that's kind of doesn't get enough love on on your staff. Hmm. Uh, in my opinion, me being a left-handed pitcher, I love Cash. You know, I really do. He, and he found a little bit of extra velocity this year. And uh, him and I, actually, we got drafted. When we got drafted, we were we were roommates, and we've been roommates ever since. So, oh, cool. Kind of like my, kind of like my, uh, my brother. <laughs> he really is. And uh, I think he's one of the guys that some people overlook a lot. Um. So I think he he can def- he's definitely making some noise now for sure. Okay, yeah, we'll have to get him on the future, too. I've been a big fan of his for a while. Um, now, okay, give me somebody down at Extended that you rehabbed with, you know, that impressed you the most, somebody that's about maybe to join a roster. Anybody stick out th- this year that you rehab with? Yeah, actually, the guy that made it here, uh, Colby Schultz. Okay. He, um, he was actually in rehab with me when I, in the offseason because he had some, he had a sports hernia removed, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we spent some time together in rehab, actually, the whole time. We, we were in rehab the whole time together. So he was, he's the guy that impressed me the most. And just he's one of those guys that, you know, he's not flashy. He's not going to talk. He's not going to, you know, brag about anything. He's going to go out. He's going to grind it out. And he's going to get the job done every single day. You know what you're going to get with him. It's not a wild card toss-up. He's going he's gonna to hit for average. You know, he has some pop, too. But he's going to put the ball in play, and he's going to battle his butt off. <laughs> yeah, I remember. At the play and in the field. I remember him at Burlington, what, last year or two years ago? It's been a minute, but yeah, okay. Uh, last year, yeah, last year, I think. And okay. he's uh, he's a solid fielder, man. You, like, he's your 
he's your typical college grinder, so I'm going to say. He's going to show up to the ballpark whether he feels good, bad, doesn't matter. He's not going to say anything to anybody. He's going to show up and get his treatment in if he needs it, and he's going to go out to the field, and he's going to be – he's going to – He's gonna play. He's gonna ball out. He's a, he's a he's a gamer. That's what he is. Like it. Okay. Give me. Uh, you got a lot of great hitters on your team right now. Which guy would you hate to face if you were an opposing pitcher? Who would you fear the most in the Wilmington lineup? Ooh, fear the most. That's tough. I mean, you got Matias, who at any point can hit one in the orbit. <laughs> <laughs> um, at any point, any freaking point. That <laughs> would hate to face the most. Most challenging out, maybe the most challenging out in the Wilmington that you'd be nervous about facing in a key situation. Uh, probably Blake Perkins. Okay, good at bat, man. Patient. Yeah, he's a he's a very uh, he's a scrappy hitter. He knows what he's he knows he's not. I mean, he knows what his strengths are. He knows what his weaknesses are. And plus, he's a switch hitter too. So he's gonna he's gonna be a tough out regardless if I'm right-handed or left-handed. Do you care if you face a lefty or a righty, by the way? Does your mindset really change that much? Does it matter to you what side the hitter is? Uh, no, absolutely not. I might throw a couple more sliders to a lefty, but that's about it. Okay. I always wonder that. The, ga- the game plan, the mindset. Game plan, like I said, a couple, of, you know, maybe one or two more sliders just to make them look stupid. But uh, other than that, no. I don't have a preference, actually. So Okay. Whoever, whoever, whoever digs into the box, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out is uh-huh. my mindset. Like it. Okay, last 10 rapid-fire questions to get to know you better. You ready? Let's do it. All right, Saturday night in Ridgeview, Pennsylvania. A good kid like you who's not getting in trouble. What are you doing for fun? Saturday night. I'm going – are we talking in the dark? <laughs> yeah, just, you know, general Saturday night. You know, 9 o'clock at night and a Saturday. What are you doing in Ridgeview? I am sitting down and watching a movie with my mom. I like it. See? There you go. Okay. Uh, now, one of the best men I know is also a great Catholic, uh, Mr. Mike Sweeney, obviously, I'm talking about. How much have you uh, gotten to spend with Sween Dog? I've spent a lot of time with Sweeney, and we're on text, we're texting and phone call basis now. Um, Isn't he great, I man? A good am- I spent a good amount of time with him in rehab, and he was there. You know, we would work out together, and then he would lift me up when I needed it and maybe knock me down a peg when I needed it, too. But he was always there. He's always... You know, he's even saying, I'm, I'm a huge fan, you know, reading your stories and, you know, reading what happened to you and how you overcame it. And then you being a Catholic, you know, he's like a Christian athlete. And he's like, that just made made my love for you even more, man. He goes, I'm always in your corner. I'm always a phone call away if you ever need it. He means it, too. He's one of the few people that actually means it. Yeah, and he will take his, he will take time out of his day to actually, you know, talk with you. And if you are, if you are struggling or are having some issues on and off the field, he'll do his best. To help you, and if he can't help, and if he can't help you, he'll find somebody else who will. Yeah, I, I he met my mom once in uh, Anaheim after a game, and texted me the next day and was like, "It was really nice to meet your mom." I'm like, "Dude, you, how do you remember that the next day? You're a busy guy." I, I was always impressed by him. Um, okay, very, so very still trapped. Yeah, memory. yeah. So you, uh, you like we talked about Pitt, obviously. So I think I read that you declared yourself a pre-law major. So what kind of law were you gonna do? Uh, I was gonna do corporate law. Um, I was kind of leaning towards that, but I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to graduate with a corporate law degree. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I was, I want to be an agent. I really do. Oh, you know, okay. I, I can't, I can't leave sports in my opinion. <laughs> okay. Are you, are you a Jerry Maguire fan? You, you like the rock series ballers? You like that? <laughs> I, 
I do like Ballers, and yet Jerry Maguire, show me the money, all that. <laughs> Ballers is such a great show. Um, it is a very good show. Okay, so while you were at Pitt then, the rumor has it you got to know uh, current Steelers running back James Conner a little bit. What's Mr. Conner like? He, everything you see is what you're going to get. You're not, you know, he doesn't, when the camera's off for him or when the uh, doors are closed or anything like that, he's not, a, he's not, he doesn't change. Good dude. He's, uh, he's a great dude. He's one of the best human beings that I've ever met, honestly. Really? Okay. He's a, he's a, you know, he's religious as well. Um, going through all that, you know, he's just a, uh, he's a world-class uh, athlete, obviously, and a world-class human being. What are your thoughts on Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell? Did they, as a Steelers fan, do they make you mad at the end? Um, I don't know about mad. I, I, I maybe disappointed because that team could have been something else again. And I still think they're going to be a very good team without those two. But I'm not a fan of sitting out or um, trying to hold out for more money. You know. Once again, it goes back to the organization. The organization took a chance on you when they, they didn't have to. So at the end of the day, they don't owe you anything. Well, especially with with Bell and suspensions and stuff. I mean, gosh, they stood stood by him. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. But you know, whatever makes those guys happy. Now, and I hope you know, I hope that those two have found a new home that do make them happy. So you know, best of luck to them. How about Big Ben? Did you ever listen to his Tell All Radio Show in Pittsburgh? <laughs> a few times. A few times. So if you make the big leagues, are we going to get a tell-all where you call it your teammates? I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely I don't not. think that would go over very well. Uh, okay, <laughs> so is Madison Bumgarner still the guy that you watch the most, or is there you know other guys, MLB yeah. pitcher? As a starter, Bumgarner was a guy. As a reliever now, not so much. I'm looking at guys, Sean Doolittle, the big one, um, just because we kind of throw somewhere, and he was kind of like my call, my comparison as I was coming out of the draft. Okay. Um Doolittle for sure. Like I said, he's you know he's the guy right now. Um, I think he's he's really it. You know, I watch him a good amount. You, are you gonna? I try, to take, I, I try to take what he does and implement it into my game a lot, and I think I've done a pretty good job of that, and it's paid off. Are you gonna are you gonna rock the beard like Doolittle someday? Oh, you know, as soon as I get to the big leagues, this thing is not getting touched. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. How many Royals hats have been purchased in Ridgeway, Pennsylvania, since 2017? Are there, are there at least a few of them around town now? The next question is, who's doing the purchasing? Is it me or is it somebody else? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you you um, put it this way: you walk downtown, you see a lot of a lot of royal blue. Not so much black and yellow anymore. That's what I like to hear. Now, have you been to KC? You, you didn't come for a pre-draft workout, did you? No, I did not. Uh, the only time I've been to Kansas City was to uh, get surgery. <laughs> so it was just in and out, like two days or something? Yeah, it's about, I got there on the, was, I want to say the 7th and was, had the surgery. So I got there on the 7th, had the surgery the 8th, and was back in Arizona and started my rehab on the 9th. Okay. Um, so my mom and I do a cool little father, uh, or not father, mother, mother-son mother thing, and we go on an MLB trip each summer and see a couple stadiums. We're over halfway to seeing all 30. So we're doing Pittsburgh and Cleveland this summer. How much are we going to like the Pittsburgh Park? Is it pretty sweet? You're going to love it. You're going to love You're going to – the city of Pittsburgh itself you'll enjoy. Really? You really will because it's, it's big enough to be a city, but it's also very clean. Feel like You feel at home there. I mean, I don't know for me anyway. You feel, they make you feel at home. You know, there's not not too many bad parts of Pittsburgh, honestly. The city itself, like I said, very clean, very upkept. Um, and then 
the view from PNC Park is just something else. Just I can't wait. Being able to uh, see the city in the backdrop is, is – uh, they did a very good job when they designed that stadium. <laughs> it gets consistent top five or top three, so I'm excited. What, always. What always. should we do for fun in Pittsburgh? What are some cool things to do away from baseball? You got to eat, man. You got to eat. You got to you got to you got to check out the Permani brothers. Got it. It's everyone that ever asked me, "What do you do?" I'm like, "That's the first stop you're gonna do. It's the Pittsburgh sandwich. You got to do it." What is it called? It's called Permani brothers. Permani's brothers. And as soon as you walk in, they're going to have a bunch of different things listed. Just say, I want the Pittsburgh, but that's it. Okay. That's all you got to say. All right. I'm going to take your word for it. I'm 100% going to do that. <laughs> um, okay, last two questions. What do you do on an off day in Wilmington, Delaware for fun? Golf. Big golfer. <laughs> okay. And then uh, Big golfer. my last question is, what would you like to say to Royals fans listening right now? You know, I know I know the big league club is struggling a little bit right now, everybody, but uh, – it's still a very young and very exciting team, and don't worry, we'll be back on top very soon. I like that. I mean, at the big league level, we got great guys up here and great guys like you and your teammates down there in Wilmington, brother. We're excited to, to follow your progress and uh, have you on again in the future, and hopefully we'll see you up here uh, within a few hours of KC at Arkansas, either late this summer or sometime next year, man. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm Love looking, it. I really am, and I really appreciate you reaching out and wanting to do this uh, interview. You know, it means the world to me, and I can't thank you enough, honestly. Perfect, man. You too. Take care, and we'll stay in touch and uh, and, and keep attacking those damn hitters, man. Give them hell. Yes, sir, I will. <laughs> All right, brother. Take care.